It's called the most wonderful time of the year, yet how wonderful it is can depend upon how well we plan and prepare for this season. Well, Lisa Anderson, who serves with the Singles Ministry for Focus on the Family, knows this is a time during which our expectations and our spending can often get out of control. So this morning, we are going to be revisiting a conversation with Lisa about some very practical insights for this Christmas season. Lisa, welcome back to the conversation. So good to be here. Fun time of year, right? Christmas time is here. (laughs) So what's one of your favorite parts of this time of year? Straight up, like if I'm asked this in like Christmas games or whatever, (laughs) I always say it's kind of a tie between just lights in general. Mm. Like I've committed to a real tree every year. I hate doing it. I hate getting trees. (laughs) I hate putting up trees. I hate the needles. I hate the drama. (laughs) I have these aspirations, Stan, of like, I'm going to sit every morning with my Bible in front of my tree and just have this time. Yeah. Okay. That's about 50% of the time that I make that happen. If that, you know, as far as the whole tree ambiance situation, but I love the lights. And then I also love my uh, church's Christmas Eve service. Mm. I love making time for that. Although actually now this year, Stan, I think I'm going to have to add a new tradition. My friend invited me to an Advent thing at her house where she had set up five different stations that we all walked through and just started to prepare for Advent. And it was amazing. Lisa, we can kind of be prone to spend a lot of money this time of year. What is it about this time of year that tends to kind of draw that out of us? Yeah. Well, I think it's a combination of things. Uh, partly, it is the expectation yeah. around gift giving. It's the expectation around what it should be like. You know, all of us harken back to the nostalgia of our childhood and how we felt Christmas was, and we equate that with, in some instances, excess or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think there's that expectation. And then too, there's just a lack of preparation. So then you just have people that don't have their game on. And so as a result, they've got uh, three days left to shop for everyone on their list, and they better just sit down online and blaze it out and not worry about prices, or they're just going to be sunk when Christmas comes. So I think it's a combination of those two things primarily. Lisa, budget for some people is like a bad word. (laughs) They they break out in hives and start sweating. And I've had some perspectives about that, that I I love budgets personally. I think they're powerful things, but any ways that you found to help uh, get people over their uh, fear of budgets? I'm assuming you like budgets. I do actually. Well, I shouldn't say that I do. I'm not very good at budgeting. What I am good at doing is knowing how to spend within my means. I'm pretty good at that. I'm pretty good at keeping an overall ledger of like, here's what I know I have to work with. My thing is, Stan, and this is where I feel if everyone could just sit in this space, you pick what your priorities are. So for me, my priorities in general tend to be experiences. I think this is going to be some once in a lifetime thing. You know, so for me, it's I love to spend time with friends and do fun things. I love to vacation. Making memories is a priority for me. So I do that and I scrimp on everything else. But around the holidays, if people could think ahead, you know, in the sense of maybe heading into the holidays, and of course, we're getting down to the wire right now, but sometimes you just give up like your Starbucks for a season, Mm -hmm. or you're going to give up eating out for the next couple of weeks. So that kind of thing is just saving somewhere. And then, you know, sometimes we can creatively make some money other places. Like I'm a big fan of just rocking out uh, eBay and Facebook marketplace. I mean, how many of us 
have stuff sitting around our house that we don't use. We don't need, you know, your grandma gave you something that you don't want. Okay. And you need to just sell that thing. It's probably worth something. Lisa, as we think about gift giving, I mean, obviously it can be such a blessing and meaningful thing that really shows love that we have for another person, but it also could be a burden that was filled with trying to meet other people's expectations. What are ways to think about the whole gift giving world that can help us stay on the positive side, the mean side and keep away from the obligation side. We have got to start paring down our lists because of fear of man. We want to impress people. We don't want to disappoint people. We think we have to get something for everyone. So this is where I'm saying that neighbor down the street that you never talk to, you don't need to have a gift for them. Be willing to say, okay, here are the people that I truly feel I want to give to. I'm going to be celebrating with them. This is where I'm prioritizing my time. This obligatory gift giving needs to go. Immediately, I know everyone listening is saying, but what about when someone approaches you with a gift and you don't have something for them? Okay. This is where you have your small emergency gift stash (laughs) for the people that you forgot about and whatever. This was one of those people that you're like, oh my goodness, I legitimately forgot them. Everyone else, we need to get in the habit of graciously thanking someone Mm. and moving on because Mm. that's the whole spirit of gift giving. It's not about giving something in exchange. It's about giving that. Second tip, let's talk about consolidating gifts. So this is what my audience, single young adults, has learned to rock out because when we have siblings with multiple children, (laughs) get a super fun new board game for the family to share. Or better yet, give an experience. You know, I love experiences. What about a trip to an escape room or the Adventures in Odyssey Club, which is awesome for families with kids Mm. that gives all year round. So stuff like that is a great idea as far as consolidating gifts and making it a little more attainable. And then finally, I love find a way to give a skill. What is it that you do well? Some people are awesome photographers. Hmm. Give a little short photo session to a family member, or maybe you are a super declutterer organizer, and you're going to give a little certificate for a few hours of help organizing someone's home or a room in their home, or maybe a certificate to work on something digital or tech that they have. Hmm. So I'm talking about you're going to organize their digital photos. They will love you forever. And so just an idea on that front. Lisa, you know, sometimes there can be this conflict between grandparents' expectation and what they want to do with their grandkids and parents' expectations and what they'd like to see happen with their with their kids. So any thoughts on kind of making all that work well and hard harmoniously. (laughs) That is a hard space. And I hearken to one of my dear friends who has had to be in this space with her precious mother-in-law who insists on getting outrageously expensive gifts for the kids. And then she's like, Lisa, I can't even compete with my own mother-in-law. Like I'm the mom and I'm like way outshined. Okay. In her case, sometimes you got to rip off the bandaid. We got to be willing to have hard conversations here. She has sat down with her mother-in-law and said, you will get the kids one gift each. And then she does give her a dollar amount limit as well. And then she says, and I am going to tell you what my husband and I are getting the kids. And she does it in a spirit of help us help them. You're part of our team to help teach our kids great principles around Christmas and gift giving. And so it's kind of helped her mother-in-law 
feel part of the solution, but also feel like she can give in the spirit of how she wants to give. Again, having those parameters and sticking to them is going to help a lot of folks. Lisa, we haven't talked about yet the area that we often talk to you about, which is the space of singles. Let's speak first of all to the married people out there who've got single friends. Maybe they've thought well about them in the past. Maybe they haven't. But what's a helpful, healthy way for married families to think about, be sensitive to, and and maybe taking initiative towards single friends? I think the first thing is to start asking questions. So of your single friends from church, from your neighborhood, wherever you are, start asking them what their plans are for the holidays. Because if they're like, oh, I'm trucking on home, I've got plans, you know, whatever, that's all good. But for the ones that are staying put, start including them in things that your family is doing. Just make that invitation. And it doesn't mean that they'll take you up on it, or it doesn't mean that they're going to glom onto you and do the entire holidays with you. But to make that invitation of, you know, maybe you guys are going to go caroling, or maybe you're going to go to a Christmas concert at church. Even if you go to the same church, say to them, do you want to sit by us? And maybe we'll, you know, come to our place afterwards for cookies and, you know, coffee or something like that. Um, Just be an inviter and be the person who sees them and hears them and gets their story and maybe even incorporate them in the planning of something. It's just a very honoring way of knowing that your single friends maybe can't get home for Christmas. Maybe they're stuck because of work or they don't have the vacation time. But to just know that there can be a lot of loneliness around the holidays and to just invite them. It doesn't have to be something extravagant. You don't have to come up with something new, just the normal rhythms of your family. Ask them to be a part. So Lisa's families think about reaching out to singles in their world during this time of year. What are some ways to think about doing it that would be honoring to singles and not make the singles feel like they're just being pitied? I would say in general, I mean, again, and this is for all of us to think through is the idea of, in fact, I I jokingly say this to singles a lot where I'm like, hey, remember, it's not your birthday. Okay. Uh, This is Jesus' birthday. (laughs) So again, keeping the main thing, the main thing Mm -hmm. and realizing that being single doesn't naturally mean, oh, okay, so you're going to have a really crummy holiday and sorry for you. I'm with my family. I mean, there are plenty of families out there struggling too. And so I think that shared experience of asking good questions. I always love to say to have in my conversational arsenal kind of maybe a few questions about the new year. I love asking people like, what are you looking forward to in the new year? Because then it takes it off of this year was a disappointment. I'm entering a new year, still single. You know, it's kind of like there's always a fresh start ahead of us wherever we are in life. And so being part of that Uh, is a great space to be as well. And then also to be that person who is just sensitive, the office Christmas party, the church Christmas party is not the time to go after your single friends and be like, how's your love life? I always say a great way to enter into something a little deeper is to ask someone how you can pray for them. Because then the single person can volunteer as much or as little info as they want. And it just honors them, shows that you care, and again, kind of moves the conversation along. Lisa, you wrote an op-ed for Chicago Tribune on a phenomena that December 11th holds. Is that true? It is true because people actually called through social media. They put all the algorithms together and determined that December 11th is the biggest breakup day of the year. Wow. Now, I would say more important than just saying December 11th is really what it's saying is heading into the holidays. Okay. Largely because if they're in a relationship stand that's kind of meh, 
here's the time when they're going to unload it because they don't want to bring someone home to their family hmm. if it, they don't think it's going anywhere. They don't want to get this person a gift, okay? <laughs> they don't want the obligation of feeling that this other person has expectation to maybe take the relationship to the next level. They just want to start the new year on a clean slate. So if that's necessary, right? Someone finds himself in that situation. Any tips? Well, the first tip is, um, this is born out of my own experience, is don't do it on Christmas Eve. That said, some breakups are inevitable. I'm not saying breaking up is bad. Some relationships need to end. And so a good, hearty evaluation is necessary in that front. But here's how to do it well. Do it in person. Bring your real self into real time and real space and honor this person as an individual who deserves that kind of respect. So no ghosting, no mm. asking your friend to break up on your behalf. Secondly, be concise and be kind. So you actually need to tell this person you are breaking up with them. Sometimes there's so much vagary that people don't know if they're actually going through a breakup. Say that you're breaking up, be honest, be clear, but also be kind in respecting the person's feelings. Thirdly, you definitely want to be the person who is not bringing up, holding grudges, rehashing the relationship. Yeah. No one needs your monologues. You actually want to be the person who's going to give space then. I mean, if it's over, it's over. So this means you're not going to circle back, stalk this person on social media, go check in with their mom to see how they're doing. If it's over, give that person space to adjust, to grieve, whatever. And then finally, this is not the time to rebound. Go through the holidays as a single person. You will be okay. Enjoy time with your family. Process what you've learned from this. Look ahead to the new year. Um, rebounds are so toxic when they happen because people just want to be with someone. And then you just end up kind of compounding the problem. Lisa, we can get, if we're not careful, just into the hustle and bustle of it and lose some of the preciousness of it. What's a thing or two that you do that helps you prepare your heart and your focus for Jesus? You know, it's funny, this is going to seem a little counterintuitive, but there are a few scriptures that I've been reading through lately that I'm like, these need to be Christmas scriptures. One of them is I've been reading through Romans. One through eight is a telling of who we are and what God has accomplished on our behalf. And that started at Christmas. And so to just go through and really relive our identity in Christ as Christmas Christmas being about family, what better family than the family of God mm. and the fact that we have been grafted in as heirs with Christ. So I love just picking select scriptures and making a priority, ideally in front of my Christmas tree with the lights on <laughs> to read through those. And then the other thing is just really prioritizing, cleaning out the calendar to not be doing things that I don't need to be doing but certainly prioritizing the people that I want to spend time with to share with them looking back on the year, what they meant to me and making sure that I tell them that, mm. because again, it's just necessary for us to be careful, especially coming out of COVID, especially this year, two years of isolation, whatever, to really show folks the value of relationship and how ultimately that was modeled in Christ, but we take it forward into all the relationships that we have. Well, Lisa, it is always good when we have the chance to be able to connect with you, and this morning it has been especially meaningful. Thank you so much for what you have shared with us this morning, and have a Merry Christmas. Wonderful. Thanks so much.